Welcome to the Rachel Sermani's Finger That Points to the Moon podcast. I'm Rachel Sermani and I'm a singer and songwriter, maker of things. Generally, I'm a creative being with a strong sense of the creative in all beings. This podcast, I hope, can be ignition, inspiration and curiosity for others, whilst sating my own inquiry and desire to integrate creative form with general living life. I intend for this podcast to exist in myriad, fluid form. Some episodes will be in the format of an interview, some a narration, excerpts from various journals or that of other people's writings. Some will be abstract meanderings, explorations in answer to posed questions from you, the listener, and some will be a quiet prayer. The finger that points to the moon is not the moon. A quote by the meditation master Thich Nhat Hanh. In context, he's explaining that his teachings are only guiding those he teaches to illumination. His teachings are not illumination itself. When I first read this, back in my teens, I immediately transferred and interpreted it as my experience of human expression, of art. The notion that we, as human beings, seem to have it in our nature to reflect and imitate the wild beauty we witness that of nature. But never can it be that which we attempt to describe. The finger that points to the moon is not the moon. A poem about the silver gilding of a cloud is not the silver gilding of the cloud. A song about dreams is not the dream. But we get close and our creations catch the attention and inspiration of others who feel the nature that it intends and so follow and walk towards it. This little line transcends into many layers of life, and that's why I choose it to be the mother to the title of this new podcast. Because then you as the listener will know that what I am pointing at with whatever I am saying or whoever I am interviewing is only the finger. It is only the direction in which I'd like for you to look. And then you can see what you see. And you can let me know what it is that strikes you as it may not have struck me quite so. So, episode number one of the Rachel Sermani's Finger That Points to the Moon podcast. I wasn't sure where to begin. And I also want to acknowledge that this podcast begins in a very strange time for this world and for our generation. A very strange time. And firstly, I just want to send out love and goodness to everybody because this is so serious a situation for many people. What many of my friends who are musicians and artists as well as myself are trying to do in this time is make the most of it and also hopefully to provide some form of comfort or entertainment for those who are sitting at home 
There's so many good reasons, I feel, to be starting a podcast right now. And so for that, I'm grateful that this whole thing is occurring. I asked the internet um, to those who follow me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook um, to help me begin this thing. And I was given some great responses. And so I'm just going to go through them a little bit and um, maybe that's where we can begin. We'll just begin with a sort of question-answer scenario for this first podcast. So the first one I see, someone looking for my experience as a songwriter, tips for people who are interested, little stories. Okay, Rona. I would say there's one thing that I would um, like to speak about on the process of songwriting and any other creative endeavor. And that is to maybe become aware of the inner critic. That's usually my main sort of point of work when I'm doing workshops, is to illuminate for people what and where and who that is. The exercises I use are quite simple and a bit ridiculous. And some people um, immediately feel a little bit defensive or... Just don't, don't fancy it. But I also think that this might be indication of that person's inner critic. We don't want the rational mind to be too strong when being creative. So the two exercises that I like to use at the start of a workshop are always the same. One is the stream of consciousness. So you take paper and you take pen and you just write. No notion of keeping to some grammatically correct paragraph. No notion of punctuation marks. Um, no na notion of sense at all. Are you able to even start? Can you finish? Somewhere in the middle do you start to question yourself. All these wee things indicate where you might find your own obstacles for the creative process. Sometimes I can really easily flow and other times I really struggle to get in the next word. And this just gives me an idea of where my mind is at at the time and I think this is useful in the creative process, even just to know where you are, know if you can even begin writing a song, um, let alone begin writing a piece of nonsense. Another is closing your eyes and just putting pen to paper again and just drawing an animal. What kind of feeling does that bring up? A lot of people will open their eyes and be like, oh my gosh, this is rubbish. And I'm like, well, you were closing your eyes. What did you expect? This allows you to see the height and the weight of your inner critic. The last exercise that I love doing, we take a piece of nonsense poetry, my favorite, uh, which I will recite now, the Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borough grove and the momrath outgrabe. Beware the jabberwock, my son, 
the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jub-jub bird and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal blade in hand. Long time the manxome foe he sought. And rested he by the tum-tum tree and stood a while in thought. And as in offish thought he stood, the jabberwock, with eyes aflame, came whiffling through the tulgy wood and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went galumphing back. And hast thou slain the jabberwock? O come to my arms, my beamish boy. O frabjous day, kaloo, kalay, he chortled in his joy. Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borough groves, and the mome wrath outgrabe. I learned that a long time ago, and I've managed to retain it. It's my party piece. Anyone who knows me well knows that that's my party piece. And the Jabberwock is one of my favorite pieces of writing. Um, I think it's absolutely just it is creation itself, it's creativity itself, it's just so free and exciting. And what I do is I encourage people to create their own nonsense poetry. So we take a simple line and you can do this, you just take a simple line like, I play the guitar. And then you just mess with that line, you just maybe take the word play and the word guitar and swap them for words of your own feeling. But all of this is so useful in loosening off the inner critic from the roots of your creativity, which is, I think, the first place to start, to be honest. Someone's asking a question here. Did your being in a monastery change the way of making music slash thinking constantly? <laughs> um, so I'm sure I'll end up speaking more about this because this was a definite point in my experience um, and my life um, that changed things for me. But I went and volunteered at Sami Ling, which is a Buddhist monastery in the borders of Scotland. I was just working in the cafe there and I sort of immersed myself in the practices and the studying of Buddhism. I also ended up writing a bunch of songs there that ended up being on my most recent album, which is called So It Turns. What was interesting about that time is that I kind of went there with the notion that it would be a bit like a writing retreat. There wouldn't be much else to do except focus on the creative process, focus on art. But um, the days were full and the days were long. I would get up around five, I'd walk to um, the green tarot practice, which was early in the morning and my most favorite moment, I guess. And then there was breakfast, then there was some more meditation, and then there was working in the cafe till about five. I usually went home after the five o'clock meditation and... Um, I would eat some cereal and I would have a shower and be exhausted and I would lay down and go to sleep. The only time that I found 
to make music was just before I headed off in the early, early morning or just before I went to bed at night. And I barely did anything. I would tinker on the guitar a wee bit. I would write a little bit, but mainly I just immersed myself in these new practices that I was learning. Um, and what's interesting is that I ended up doing more than I realized. And I think, so what I'm saying here, I think, is that um, there's a kind of busy mind mentality where we've got to be doing stuff. I've got to be proactive. Um, and certainly for writing songs, there's this notion of like, don't lose the idea or, you know, stay focused on the on the job at hand, on the creative process, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and what was just really interesting from my time there is that most of the stuff I was doing was sitting still and trying to sort of remain in a place of empty mind in that the, the, the mind was never, ever empty, but I would always return and I practiced and got better at returning to the breath. And this was very steadying, um, but it did make me worry about the creative process. I wondered if I was killing my creative process, um, but I can assure all listeners and feel assured myself that this process of sitting still or sitting quiet was creating so much fertility in the ground of my creative being. So that when it did come to making things, it just sort of happened. Another thing that was really useful for the creative part of me in that world was the fact that there just was no access to the internet apart from the cafe. There was just so much more time thanks to that, so much more space thanks to that. That's, that's how I work in order to create things. The other day during my live Instagram gig, I read out a particular poem by Rumi, um, a translation by Coleman Barks, who seems to be the main man for Rumi translations. And this is the poem. Keep walking, though there's no place to get to. Don't try to see through the distances. That's not for human beings. Move within, but don't move the way fear makes you move. Today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. I felt like this was um, a very apt poem to read in this time, and I opened it at that page that night a few weeks ago and couldn't believe how relevant it was. And this book, The Illuminated Rumi, has been with me since I was 16, thanks to my lovely parents. I wonder if you can hear the kids playing in the garden. I'm in my shed right now, and uh, it's quite ambient. I like it. Regarding various techniques in which to come into a place of being creative, 
One, as I described before, is the stillness that I learned a little bit more about in the monastery. But I also would like to say that I knew about this through nature, through being with nature. All my holidays with my family were always to the west coast of Scotland. We were always doing outdoor pursuits and there was always a stillness that came from being in that kind of wilderness for me that I feel was my first sort of and most natural experience of what they label meditation. There's a hidden sweetness in the stomach's emptiness. We are lutes, no more, no less. If the sound box is stuffed full of anything, no music. If the brain and the belly are burning clean with fasting, every moment a new song comes out of the fire. The fog clears and a new energy makes you run up the steps in front of you. Be emptier and cry like reed instruments cry. Emptier, write secrets with the reed pen. Now let me just say I'm not endorsing not eating. What I'm endorsing is emptiness in some form. Um, when I was younger I did take it uh, a little bit more literally and and I think that's also an interesting experience to experience emptiness. I know that there's... um lots of books on fasting and stuff. And what I usually found is, yes, it did give me some sort of new energy. But um, again, I feel like this is maybe somehow related to now. Um, we were just at the supermarket and a lot of people are rushing around and trying to make sure that their cupboards will be full. And of course, this is very important that we're able to feed ourselves and to feed our children. But maybe also to be with the peace of emptiness. For me, it, it sort of speaks of simplicity. To simplify things. To empty ourselves out and see what just that process does for us. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. So I've offered some tips on finding and easing off the pressure of the inner critic when it comes to being creative. And I've offered some rumi as a means to ignite some creative thought. There's so much more that I can speak about. Lots of people have also been asking for the likes of my own inspiration for songs. I've kind of touched on that. But maybe in the next episode, I'll try and look at that of the muse, which um, is a concept I've been thinking about recently. There's many more questions that people have asked, and I love them all. But for now, I'll just leave you with some of these thoughts. Thank you for listening very much. Have a lovely day. Have a peaceful day. Um, remember to stay home and be kind. And I'd love to hear 
of your experiences if you try out any of those wee exercises that I recommended. Um, so until the next time, goodbye. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Rachel Sermani's Finger That Points to the Moon podcast. Thank you. Bye.